May I direct your thoughts to the first book of Kings, chapter 21, and verses 15 and 16. Verses 15 and 16. And it came to pass, when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned, and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money, for Naboth is not alive, but dead. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. <clears throat> the reign of Ahab was after the kingdom of Israel had split. You will recall how in the days of Solomon's son, Rehoboam, there was a desire that the taxes during Solomon's reign that were heavy, that they should be eased and things made easier for the people to cope with their own personal problems. But uh, Rehoboam sought counsel, first of all from the old men, which he rejected, and sought the counsel of the younger men, and he accepted that counsel. And the counsel was to threaten those who were asking a favor in order to help them. And the result was that the kingdom split. The ten tribes to the north and the two tribes, Judah and little Benjamin, uh, they separated and Ahab was the seventh king in the kingdom that was separated. <coughs> it is very common if you reflect on what's happening in the world, that when there is a departure of not so great, perhaps, a moment as one might uh, consider in other cases, it's not such evident um, rebellion against God, but it is a moving away from God. 
when that begins, that little stream through time becomes a roaring torrent sweeping everything before it. It happened in the northern tribes and it also happened with Judah and Benjamin. And we see how to turn our back upon God is the most foolish thing that a man, woman or child could possibly do. Whoever we seek to esteem and to hold highly in regard, let us forget, let us not forget that to forget God is the height of foolishness. And it is not the case that it brings more freedom or more happiness. And I speak to the younger folk especially with respect in this respect. I thought and the older people, I'm sure, that are present when they were young, also thought that if we could get away from the restrictions of the homes that we, brought, we were brought up in and go our own way, that life would be full of fun and full of joy. But we found out from experience that the joy of this world is transitory, it's changing, and what appears to be desirable is the worst thing that could happen to us. It's true also of the church. When the church takes the place of God and begins to add to the Bible or to take away from what is written in the Bible and they introduce uh, things that are clearly stated in the Bible uh, that are contrary to the will of God, it leads to disaster for the church. And uh, you and I live in a day when the church, to a large extent, has introduced in its worship what is forbidden in the scriptures. And yet there is a remnant in the church that hold to what the Bible has to say, or they seek grace to do so. And that is true not only in our country, but throughout the nations of the world. It is remarkable where you meet uh, men, women, and children 
who worship our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, who love him, and whatever the cost are prepared to maintain their loyalty to him. And even at this present day, there are those who suffer martyrdom. They're put to death because of their loyalty to our Lord and Saviour, just as it happened in our own Scotland during the covenanting times. And uh, we are thankful for these people, uh, those who are the true church, but who are in the minority. And uh, we are never in the minority if God's blessing is resting upon us. We are never in the minority. The big battalions never win. They may appear for a time to have a measure of authority and power, but rot sets in it fades, and eventually you will see that those who were prominent in doing their own will were actually in the process of destroying themselves. It's really very, very sad. Now, to come back to Scripture, Ahab was the son of Omri, and he had departed from the ways of God. And Ahab <coughs> was the seventh king uh, over the divided Israel, the northern tribes. He married the daughter of the king of Sidon. Um, and he was a priest king. And in those days, when you married somebody from another nation, out of respect to that nation, you received or you recognized uh, an authority for the god or the gods that they worshipped. And that happened even to King Solomon to a certain extent. Uh, and it certainly happened uh, to the kings of Israel who departed from the ways of God. So here you have Ahab who was politically an astute governor, a king that could form alliances and who sought the friendship of Judah and Benjamin and in many ways from a worldly point of view he had very clear uh, talents in order to handle the problems of his day but sadly he had a problem with himself that he couldn't handle. Uh, and so often that happens. 
You have men and women in this world who are very, very successful because of the gifts that God has given them. But when it comes to their own personal situation, they lose the place and they go the way that brings hurt to themselves. My dear friends, never think of sin as something that will enrich your life or anybody else's life. Doesn't matter what temporary gain it may bring to you, it's disaster in the end, sadness. Uh, and God is not a killjoy, but sin is a killjoy. Satan is a killjoy. The powers of darkness are killjoys. But our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ brings joy unspeakable and happiness that goes beyond reckoning. And so we see, I think, three things that we will try to uh, comment on. First of all, the discontentment of Ahab. And then we will look at the presumption of Jezebel, his wife. And last of all, we will look at the uh, brevity of time or more uh, strikingly perhaps the accountability of time. Time is something that ultimately you and I will have to give account for every minute, second of our years that we see on this earth. First of all then, the presumption, the discontentment of Ahab. Now, Ahab belonged to Israel, and Israel, as you know, <coughs> was set apart to be God's agents for the blessing of the whole world. And that blessing came through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, who is a Jew. And he was born a Jew. But of course, he is God as well as man. And although it is beyond any theologian to enter into what is involved, when God took human nature in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, nevertheless, this is the reality that the Bible that is at the very centre of Bible teaching. Now, when Israel was set apart, the land that they were to receive was cast 
they cast lots for what they were to receive. And the various tribes received certain areas of the land of Canaan, and families received their allotment, and they were given to them from God, and they were not to depart to part from them unless something uh, unusual happened. It could be, for example, that a person who owned certain land uh, fell into heavy debt and uh, he, he was, uh, he, he had to uh, give over for a time his own land in lieu of the debt. But when the time of Jubilee came, and this was also God appointed, that land was restored to the person who had fallen in debt, but now was able to receive it. Uh, it was important that what God has given each individual or each family was recognized as what God has given. Now, you and I have been given lives uh, in the purpose of God, and we cannot enter into the details of what is happening in that respect, but we have nothing but what we have received. Myself, yourselves, our parents, our grandparents going back to Adam. No man possesses anything but what he has received. And it is important to bear that in mind. Whatever gift you have, or whatever possession you have, of whatever place you have, Remember, you haven't earned it by your own merits, but in the exercise of the gifts that God has given to you. Now, of course, there are some people who make very good use of these gifts. They're very diligent. They work hard. And they get on. Uh, Take, for example, Abraham uh, or Isaac or Jacob or various people in the Bible. And they became very, very rich and they had a very great possessions. Uh, and there were those who squandered their gifts and they lost everything everything that they have. So when we come to think of the situation that Ahab was in and Jezebel was in, they were people that had not earned what they possessed, but they were given certain gifts, certain places, Ahab, for example, became king. 
he received this position not because of his own merit, but because so it was in the providence of God. And here we see the problem with discontentment, the discontentment of Ahab. Now, God had given a lot to Ahab. He had given him the ability whereby he could exercise kingship in a very wise and uh, in a very uh, profitable way. looking at it from a worldly point of view. He had the gifts to exercise his kingship from that viewpoint in a very wise way. But personally he had a problem and it comes to the fore in his relationship to Naboth. Now that relationship was king and subject. But remember that king and subject are both accountable to God. There is no person that is not accountable to God. And uh, what we sow, we shall reap. There's no question about that. Scripture says, and says it very clearly, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not go unpunished. And the wicked are those who reject Christ and deny that he is who he is declared to be in the Scripture and who demonstrated his uh, royalty in a wonderful and in a most gracious way. And so we see Ahab, he was a king, he had loads of money, but there was a vineyard that was possessed by Naboth and he wanted that piece of ground. Now the reason why he wanted it is not very clear in the scripture. He speaks about it being close to his domain but he says to Naboth that he would give him a better vineyard in exchange for his own vineyard. But Naboth would not give it. He refused to give it. Was Naboth being foolish? Was he being unreasonable? No. Naboth was God-fearing. And it was very, very important that what God had given to them in the allotments of the land when they went to Canaan, that that should be respected as the gift of God, what God had given, and they were not to give it to anybody else. And that was why Naboth 
didn't want to do what would clearly be for the Israelite, for the Jew, what would clearly be uh, moving away from the will of God and the asserting of his own will. Discontentment is a terrible thing. You would think that possessing all that Ahab possessed, that for a parcel of ground, why should he be upset? He had plenty of land. But you see, this con sin is irrational. It doesn't work from reason. It's unreasonable. And sin, in this case, shows the irrationality of uh, Ahab uh, as, a, uh, as a king. So he sought the very fact that Naboth would not give it uh, had this personal effect that his reaction was observable. Jezebel saw why, she saw how uh, he seemed to be uh, in the depths, cast down, despondent, and uh, she asked him what was wrong. Now, we move to the, uh, to the presumption of Jezebel. If Jezebel thought that she could solve the problems that her husband faced, she was making a huge assumption. And that assumption was evidently a presumption. She was thinking that she could meet the problem that her husband had and she would do it as we shall see in her own way. And she said to him, why was he acting like this for a parcel of ground and uh, uh, Naboth's uh, ref refusal? Now she wasn't saying this in a Telling him, come out of your uh, of your of your uh, mood situation, and, and look at reality. She wasn't from that viewpoint. She was saying, she went along with him. Uh, that Naboth had no right to refuse to the king what he requested, and to cheer himself up the matter would be corrected, solved, without any problem. And we see the way that she went about solving her own problem. Now, remember that both Ahab and Jezebel lived in the time when Elijah was the prophet. 
one of the great, great prophets in Israel. And uh, remember that Ahab had seen what had happened when uh, the dispute uh, arose between the prophets of Baal and God the Lord. And you will remember how Elijah was the instrument in God's hands to demonstrate that God is Lord. Well, Jezebel thought she had her own way and she very quickly went about doing these things, first of all, under the cover of religion. Now, there is nothing more horrible than religion that is false. It twists the mind. And people do terrible things. She told a lie in her religious approach to the problem. And she got others to go along with her in seeking to live that lie. And uh, Naboth was falsely charged of treason and he was uh, of blaspheming God and he was put to death. Uh, and she said to Ahab, Go and possess the vineyard. Naboth is dead. Naboth was not dead. Naboth had gone from the place of violence to the place where there is no violence, but all is holy splendor a quality of life that is beyond our minds uh, to imagine. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared for his own people. But to her, she looked at the short-term view of things. It was a great gain for Naboth, although he was put to death. It was his day of rejoicing and it was the day of Jezebel's calamity with all her false religion. And she went and, uh, and the tragic thing was that when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he immediately went down to look at the vineyard. How could any person have a mind in these circumstances to go and look over the land after the death of a man? He wasn't stupid and he would have known that however Ahab had died that there, were, there was something that couldn't meet the light of day but that didn't bother him. 
he burst that out of his thoughts, at least temporarily, and he went to see the land. Oh, a few acres of land. What a tragedy. How sin makes an ass of sinners. How it makes fools out of them. Out of us all. Remember that we are all sinners. I certainly can't afford to cast any stone at any of you, and neither have you the right to cast any stone at me. We are all sinners, and if God were to mark sin against us at this present moment, we would all die. There's no question about that. But when we come to see the situation that is before us. We see a woman who lied under the cloak of religion. There is nothing so uh, heinous, so horrible as false religion. It's that horrible, horrible thing. And my dear sinner, remember, and I have to remember it along with you, if you and I have hope for eternity, it is not because we are good people and we do the right things all the time. If you and I will be saved, it will be only through the merits of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And that is wonderful. Christ knows all your sins. You don't know them all. You've forgotten some of them, and some of them you're, never, you, you're not aware that they are sins, that they are sins nevertheless. He knows them all. It's as if you went to the surgery and you spoke to your doctor, and he knew all the symptoms. What was the cause of the things that you, the pains that you were feeling in your body, and would be able immediately to prescribe what would enable you to fully recover. Now, Christ is the great physician, and no matter what your sin is, what your sin has been, or what your sin will be before you die, no matter what the sin is, if you are in Christ, Christ blots out all that sin. So we see uh, how uh, Jezebel had her way, Ahab had his way, but only for a time, for time has its accountability. And we all know that you and I must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give account of the deeds done in the body, whether good or bad. When you and I die, we will be either received by the Lord Jesus Christ 
or we will be rejected. He will say to us, Come, ye blessed of my Father. Or he will say to us, Depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, my dear friends, I hope and pray that that will not be true of any of us. But we are in God's hands, who does no wrong, who does no injustice. And don't think that you can interpret the mind of God. Even the greatest theologian only knows in part and sees in part. You can say one thing about God and it seems to be contradicted in our shallow way of thinking in another part that we read of God. how much we require to realize that we are finite creatures. We're not what we sometimes think we are. And I marvel at these brilliant men that they're genii. And they speak about things that I certainly couldn't even begin to attempt to understand. The speed of light, speed of sound, or, or, or things about the creation. And yet, they dismiss the Bible and reject our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, you would think that if a person says that he cannot understand or enter into the depth of the world that we live in, is he in a position to look into the depth of our own being, what we are and how we came to be? And let us remember that the truth rests upon Jesus Christ and the evidence for the person of our Lord Jesus Christ is conveyed to us from Genesis to Revelation. Scripture combined and Christ himself said that not one jot or tittle of what is written shall fall to the ground. So we see here the discontentment of Ahab. My dear friend, whatever your lot is, and it may be a very difficult one, remember that there is a wise reason behind what is happening, what you are not able to understand or explain. And remember also that time is short. Ahab had Naboth's vineyard for how long? 
few short years, and then eternity. Uh, it seems just so contrary to reason, totally irrational. For a few short years, and you go to your coffin, you carry nothing with you, absolutely nothing. And yet, sin would have us make believe that what we can possess in this life is all important. It's not all important. Lazarus the beggar was so poor that he couldn't provide for himself. And he was depended, dependent on the leftovers of others. But when he died... Christ tells us that he went immediately to the nearer, into the nearer presence of God. I often quoted, and I'll finish with this reference to our Sutherland grandmother. She was dying, and the family were around her and the children and their daughter said to her mother uh, what would be her advice to the children and her reply was get Christ with all you're getting nothing else matters let us pray oh Lord Jesus, we look to Thee for the blessings of the covenant, and we pray that Thou wilt do for us and in us, above and beyond what we can ask or even think, for Thy great name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let us close singing in Psalm 28. <coughs> Psalm 28, and from the third verse, Psalm 28, 28, and the third verse, with ill men draw me not away that work iniquity, that speak peace to their friends while in their hearts doth mischief lie. Give them according to their deeds and ills endeavoured, and as their handy works deserve, to them be rendered. God shall not build, but them destroy, who would not understand the Lord's own works, nor did regard the doing of his hand. These verses in Psalm 28 to God's praise. <clears throat> With Oh
the intimations, the meeting on Thursday at the usual time of 7.30 p.m. will be taken by Mr. McGlynn. This will be the annual congregational meeting combined with a discussion of the vacancy. A kirk session will be held prior to this meeting at 7 p.m. Services next Sabbath at the usual times of 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. taken by the Reverend William MacLeod. Mrs. Clark is making steady progress and is hoping to be allowed home this week. There are leaflets on the table about a book written by the late Reverend Hugh Ferrier entitled Ministers of the Free North Church in Merness. 1843 the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Amen. Amen.